Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 85. 85. Who do you got? Who's your favorite 80, number 85? Uh, T. Higgins. T. <laughs> I don't know this year. He's number five now. How about Art Monk? <laughs> Art Monk. Yeah, great receiver for the uh, Washington at the time Redskins. Nick Bonacani, also at 85. Old uh, school. Miami, Miami Dolphins. That's yes. right. Uh, and, of course, Chad Ochocinco. Let's go with the 85 for that Bengals player, not uh, T. Higgins, who, along with the rest of that Bengals organization, is a struggling right now. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman, of course. Today's Tuesday, Rick. This means it's time for a little pop or drop, our favorite segment, where we highlight some of the top performances from last week's college games. And we're also ranking our top five rookie performances. Hello, Devin Witherspoon. My goodness, that young man went off <laughs> on Monday night. And also looking at how each of the five, not three, Rick, five Rookie starting quarterbacks did on Sunday. We have two new names to talk about. Uh, perhaps they wish they weren't starting, but we'll get yeah, to that in a moment. Not good. Uh, not good. Who You know who was good? Who? Clarence James Stroud. I made it up to CJ initials, but that that guy is, he came to play. Yeah. Yeah. He's my right now, my offensive rookie of the year. I think so. And I'll just say this quickly because you get really, you don't like to talk about teams, quote unquote, tanking because it's a whole stupid thing that's hard to do. But here's the thing. Lovey Smith won that week 17 game last year, got fired. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you ruined the number one overall pick. We're not getting Bryce Young. The reports all throughout the draft process was that they wanted Bryce. They might even just take Will Anderson number two because they weren't enamored with any of the other quarterbacks. You said throughout the draft process, you cannot come out of this draft with two first-round picks and not have a quarterback. They got CJ, and I think the lesson there is sometimes things happen for a reason. Don't overthink it. You got the guy that you were supposed to get in CJ Stroud. Yeah, and sometimes the best deals or the best situations that never happen are the best situations you can be in. There have been plenty of times when we tried to potentially trade for a player or move up in a draft for a player and weren't able to do it. Then you reflect back on it and say, man, that was the best deal we never were able to do. My goodness, Debo just gave me CJ's real first name. Is this real, Debo? It's real. Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth. What a fan. That's a Eugene Cyril Smith the third type name. <laughs> I love it. 
I like this guy even more. First, I liked him because he yelled at you. <laughs> <laughs> he did yell at me. He just said he needed to uh, get some time to get his uh, bearings in yeah. uh, control. That and was that was his first start at Minnes- against Minnesota uh, back yeah. in college. His first start in the preseason against New England. We had to give a brother a chance to warm up. He warmed up, and he <laughs> is red hot. So shout out to Coleridge Bernard. Man, I love that name. All right. Look, well, if you watch this. Come in? What's that? Where's the J come in? I don't know. I don't know. That's why I asked Debo if he was telling me the truth. Look at you, the investigative reporter, asking questions. We'll, we'll ask him that next time fourth, we see him. So he's not a junior. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. See, I'm the only one on this uh, podcast that's observant about that. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Oh, and his birthday's today? Happy birthday. What is going on? CJ is living his best life, Rick. All it took was meeting Rick Spielman at the Combine to turn that young man's life around. So, Rick... Spielman, once again, changing lives with every interaction. <laughs> All right, Rick, speaking of uh, you, behind me here, you can see on the official with the first pick draft countdown clock, how many days we got? Yeah, well, your handwriting is getting better by the week. And we have 205 days until the 2024 NFL draft. And again, thank you, Debo, for putting all the resources in to our very, very sophisticated sign. <laughs> over the shoulder of my co-host, Brian Wilson. Sometimes simpler is is better, and that's how Debo prefers to roll. All right. If you missed it last week, we graded the top 10 picks in the 2023 NFL draft uh, through the first three weeks of the season. Again, Devin Witherspoon could have waited or at least have made his case earlier in the, in the season, but he did it on Monday night. Shout out to Daniel Jones for helping with that. Either way, you can check out that conversation in the old podcast. We talked about all top 10 picks and three quarterbacks. Uh, Debo's guy, Jalen Carter. So check it out. And remember, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Nominate an FBS or FCS college player. We'll evaluate uh, his draft prospects on an upcoming show. In fact, today, we're going to take a look at USC wide receiver Dorian Singer, nominated by listener Vince EC. So hang around for that as well. And if you don't mind, take a quick second and hit the old thumbs up on YouTube at NFL on CBS. It helps us grow the show. Spread the word all around the world, Rick. We're international. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah we are <laughs> that's why i was on a show the other day and we were uh talking about london and i pulled out my british accent oh, because gosh. i'm a kind of international i consider myself since i did sky sports this past draft you did you were a big hit during the draft uh yeah. and incidentally this wasn't through cbs but you said that there were some with the first pick shout outs as you were doing the draft in kansas city Yes, there was. And I, you know, brought out my British accent and said, boy, what in a bit of a sticky wicket. Yeah, that's the only that's interesting. That's the only phrase, you know, in in the Queen's English. Yeah. Ryan, I'd like to share some some metrics, you know, don't do this often with the show. But since we launched with the first pick, four percent of our audience is from the United Kingdom. Just imagine what that number could be if Rick wasn't so offensive with that accent that he throws out there. <laughs> if they could understand him. Imagine where we'd be, Rick, if you spoke the Queen's English. That's a great point. Thank speak you. the American English, let alone the Queen's English. I'm That's still true. working on that. That's true. You'll get there, though. You, you work hard. That is that is the scouting report on Rick Spielman. He is an incredibly hard worker. Uh, I don't know if this guy has to work hard because he has such God-given talent. But he is truly special, and we're going to start at the top here. Caleb Williams versus Shador Sanders. USC traveled to Colorado, and the game that looked to be out of hand early, and then Colorado mounted a comeback, and Coach Prime said afterwards that he thought they had a chance to tie that game up had they gotten the ball back one more time. I mean, uh, it's another podcast to talk about how they managed the game at the end of that last drive. That's not our 
uh, point here. Our point here is to talk about how truly special Caleb Williams is. And then to talk again about Shadur Sanders, who in all likelihood will return to school. That won't be a surprise. It'll be actually a surprise if he comes out. But we can still talk about him because he's going to be talk, uh, the talk of the town this year and even more so next year. So, Rick, I'll come to you first. Caleb Williams, we know what he can do. And it's sort of like Patrick Mahomes when he's red hot, not Patrick Mahomes when Taylor Swift's in the stands. Even when you watch him and you know what to expect, you can still find reasons to be surprised. Yeah, no, just watching that game. And again, I wouldn't put Colorado's defense up there as the most fierce and uh, competitive defense that Caleb Williams will face this year. But the one thing I'm noticing different this year is he's trying to be more patient in the pocket. He's trying to get through his progressions. He's trying to show, I believe, that he's not just a one-read guy, then get outside the pocket and do the magic that he does with his legs and with his arm talent. So one thing I noticed in this game, I went back and looked, and we can you know, talk to we're blue in the face about all the great things that he does, but I noticed him using his eyes more to try to move the safety off the spot and coming back to his second or third read, uh, which shows signs of maturity uh, that I'm seeing in his game. And I think he's trying to evolve from that and being more patient in the pocket. But what goes along with that is that you're not going to have that time in the NFL as we're seeing on two lads that we're going to talk about here uh, in the rookie. Lads? Yeah, two young (laughs) lads that had a struggle uh, this past week as their first starts go. But I think he's trying to show that he is a quarterback, not just a great uh, off-schedule type quarterback or great athlete or great athlete making plays with his legs. He's trying to really hone in his skills as a true quarterback. And I think he's starting to show signs of that. I noticed it in the Colorado game where I'm anxious is when they play Washington, when they play Oregon, when they play Utah, going against some real dudes on the defensive side of the ball where he is then. Maybe I'm just blinded by how special he seems. And you said this before. He is further along in his progression right now than Patrick Mahomes was coming out of Texas Tech. Can you still stay with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. by far. Yeah. Can you recall anyone coming out of college, certainly with this much hype, but the ability to make the off-platform angle arm angle throws just in the quick game like his ability to turn two it looks like he's a second baseman turning two and not only turn two but throw the ball accurately and with pace and give the receiver a chance to to get up field just in solely talking about the quick game yeah i think my comparison to him would probably be uh andrew luck which oh. I thought he did a lot of that at stanford when he came out and was the number one overall quarterback um that there were some traits that i see in caleb that and Caleb's probably as good of athlete that Andrew Luck was. Caleb's probably a notch up from that. But a lot of similar off-schedule type plays, I thought Andrew Luck was able to do that when he was at Stanford. So we talked a lot about Bryce Young last year and sometimes not getting the ball out on time and, and being able to buy time in the pocket with those subtle pocket movements and playing with obviously pretty good offensive line, not the the receivers that Tua or, or Mac had when they were at Alabama um, who is more on time, or another way to look at this, is who is more likely to look to try to buy time and use their athleticism and arm strength to make plays? Is it Bryce last year coming out of Alabama, or is it what we've seen from Caleb this year, who you've said has seems to have tried to improve on playing on time? I think Caleb is trying to 
play on time more. Bryce can play on time, but Bryce uh, still held the ball some. I remember uh, one thing through the midpoint of the season is any negatives that we talked about on Bryce Young, it was getting the ball out on time because he was such a tremendous athlete, even at the SEC level, that he would dodge people, move around in the pocket. uh, And he tried to improve on that as the season went along. And I thought in that Kansas State game, that he was on time and getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, but I'm seeing Caleb Williams probably do that a step ahead of where Bryce was at this point in the season. And as you pointed out, it seems like that's been a concerted effort and he's gotten better at that. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that Debo didn't put on the rundown. So I know you love hypotheticals and questions out of nowhere. Last year's draft class, Caleb was the first quarterback taken, right? Yes. The, the one before that, Trevon Walker went first. So certainly there. What about 2021 when Trevor Lawrence went first? You taking Trevor or Caleb? Caleb. Nice. 2020, Joe Burrow or Caleb? Caleb. Wow. Look at that, Debo. 2019's Kyler, you're taking Caleb there. 2018's Baker, you're taking Caleb there. So you probably have to go back to, I'll go to 2012, Andrew Luck or Caleb? That's a that's a toss-up for me. Because I wow. thought Andrew Luck was one of those uh, generational franchise quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, but I would be real close, but I would probably go with luck just ahead of Caleb, but right there, A, 1A and 1B. Man, that's, okay. 1998, so that's 1998, who you got? Peyton or Caleb? Caleb. Over Peyton? Peyton was a, back then, that was in vogue, the pocket passer. I'm yeah. Caleb, the notch up, just because of the athleticism. 1983, but, you were in your 20th year in the league by then. L.A. <laughs> or Caleb? <laughs> Oh, they're similar type players, too. Caleb. Caleb over Elway. Elway, uh, Caleb or Marino. Oh, my God. You're going back. Like, I I went on. That's Dan Marino calling you, by the way. <laughs> How can you say that? That's no, it's Peyton. How can you <laughs> yeah, which Peyton? <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's interesting. So I'm glad Debo got you with the gotcha on the 98 question because he's going to put that on, on the uh, on the Twitter machine and then the guy's going to come after you. That's good. Uh, we look for we look for clicks on X, apparently. <laughs> X, look at that. He called it X, Debo. He's he's with he's with wins. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the quarterback on the other side there. And by the way, Caleb is a, a pop pop. I can't imagine a situation. They haven't really played anyone yet. This this was sort of their quote quote unquote first true test, and they started strong offensively. The defense is going to be concerned, but I think there's no way you're not giving Caleb a pop here. Is that correct? Yes. No, it's a pop. Okay. No, I- I'm anxious to see him, though, when it gets a little uh, stiffer competition. We said the same thing about Shador, and they went to Oregon, and and they had a tough test there, no doubt about it. Uh, It was hard to get a real read on Shador. We gave him a drop simply because we have to do one or the other. It it wasn't like he lost in the game. That defense didn't show up, and there's a lot of other factors that Coach Prime talked about. But I I thought Shador had another solid game. He continues to do things that – uh, give us reason to to really like what he does. You talked about it last week. The Oregon, the one bright side, I guess you call it, for the Oregon game, so we had to see Shador, his athleticism a little more. And I thought we saw that again come through. He was able to win with his feet. He's not looking to run. He's looking to stay in the pocket. Uh, it felt like um, the offensive coordinator, uh, what's his name, Shane Lewis? Last name Lewis, for sure, is trying to rely on the quick game because the offensive line is a huge problem. And I think Shadur executes that pretty well. When they push the ball down the field there, sometimes uh, you would talk about holding the ball too long. I think sometimes Shadur does that, but I think he's trying to make the big play. 
overall, I'm trying to say I don't have any. I'm impressed with the way he's progressed this season, given the competition they faced. Yeah, no, and he's done a great job. And kudos to him uh, at home and being down that much and being able to bring that team back uh, in the fourth quarter and what he was able to accomplish in the fourth quarter. But uh, And he's proving that he can make plays from the pocket. He's doing a better job extending plays with his feet. I just see him run in the open field, and I'm going to guess he's going to be four seven four eight. He doesn't much. look slow coming into the season. I thought he was just like more pocket than anything. Yeah, no, but he's got he's not going to be a four five kid. He's going to be four seven four eight, which is slower than four six. I, I would be surprised if he runs in a four six. <laughs> That's good math. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, well, it's yeah, go ahead. I, go ahead. I really thought, you know, for everything, the offensive line, the way the defense plays, that kid never quits. And he keeps fighting, and he brought him back. And you can talk about, you know, the game management situation at the end, which was very frustrating to watch because yeah. I would like to see him get the ball one more time. But well, uh, that's not Shadur's fault. That's just the play calling. Yeah, I don't know whose fault it is if it's uh, – you know, just they took their time. It, I don't want to get into it. It's not what this podcast is about. But, oh, my God, I couldn't stand watching that. I loved watching what he was doing. But what are you doing? Let's go. It's sense of urgency. Yeah. And the the five-star wide receiver, the, the freshman wide receiver went absolutely off in the second half. Sean Lewis is the offensive coordinator, by the way. Thank you for that, Debo. You mentioned 475, and that immediately caused me to hit the, the Google machine. Uh, do you recall what Josh Allen ran his 40 into the combine? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm assuming four seven five. Exactly four seven five. So you could be four seven five. He's not Josh Allen physically, but you could be four seven five and still move the chains. Is what I was what I was getting at. He's a better athlete than I thought he was. Would you agree with that? Yes. I'm gonna give him a pop. Yeah, I'll give him a pop too, and give him a pop for what he did in that fourth quarter to bring him when it seemed like the game was out of hand, and him never quitting, and yeah, doing the fight through and try to get his team back in. And without him, Colorado's not winning a game this year. I don't care who they have. But he's one of those quarterbacks. When you watch all these college quarterbacks, does he carry his team? And with him as quarterback, Colorado's having the success they have had to date because of his ability and his ability to carry that team. Absolutely. And you've said it a bunch of times, and I think it's worth repeating he is unfazed by anything you throw at him, whether it's sack after sack after sack, whether it's standing up for his teammates and getting fired up but not going over the edge and then sort of using that as motivation to to start hanging touchdowns on people. And I think you just have to be impressed with the way he's played. He's going to come back. We'll see what the quarterback class looks like next year, but he is going to be a conversation over the summer should he return to Colorado about his pro prospects based on what he's done over the first month of the season. Yeah, he should be the league dog going into next year. Yeah, back, but I don't know any of the other quarterbacks unless Caleb comes back because he said he might do that. No, <laughs> okay, come on, move on. <laughs> All right, can do a little five star prospect review here. Not a five star high school player, Rick. Five star on Apple Podcasts. We'll do a an FBS or FCS player of your choosing, and up now, wide receiver Dorian Singer, USC transferred from Arizona, where he was a Wildcat in Tucson, Arizona. I lived in Tucson back in the day. Yeah, you look like it. You look like <laughs> Sony. <laughs> uh, 2022, Singer had 66 catches for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. 2023 at USC, he's had nine catches for 133. 
Fun fact, if you don't follow USC closely, Jerry Rice's son plays for USC as well. He had a touchdown grab uh, in that game against Colorado. And Dorian Singer, um, what do I got here? I'm trying to find my notes here. Oh, okay. He lined up primarily outside. There we go. Uh, only had four catches in this game. Quick screen, ran a shallow, another quick screen to come back. The shallow went for a touchdown. Uh, we just ran across the formation, and Caleb patiently waited for him to get open. He came open. Um, he looks like a guy that can get open off the line of scrimmage. He's not going to out-physical you in terms of the stem. Rick's making a face. I'm so just I'll let you... listening with patience. Yeah, but you're, like I said, your poker face is terrible. So <laughs> you got four queens right now. What do you want to say? <laughs> I, I listened to uh, Lady Gaga. Then she sang Poker Face. Poker Face. Oh, Never boy. Played. Oh, boy. Hey, at least it's not Taylor Swift. So I'll take the Lady Gaga over Taylor Swift conversation right now. All right. Well, you tell me about Mr. Singer. I thought no, he... You were good. Go ahead. Now finish up. Twitchy in small areas, has burst explosiveness that makes him dangerous in space. Uh, I thought he got to top speed pretty quickly. Creates separation and breaking routes. Um, he was using the short game primarily, and I'm sure that's by design, given who he is and the other players in that roster. Brendan Rice, for example, Jerry's son, is a, is a bigger, sort of long-striding wide receiver that they like to push down the field. But I, I think he's a good fit. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a first-round pick, but he feels like a, a, a number four wide receiver can come in and help in spot situations. I don't know what his special team situation is. He had three-punt returns for Arizona in 2022, no other returns in his career in college. So I don't know how that translates when you're trying to evaluate him and think about bringing him in as an NFL team, though. My turn? Go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's wearing number 15 at USC, wore number five at uh, Arizona. If you went okay. Back to Arizona tape, which I'm sure you didn't. So that's why I'm here. Okay. Uh, yeah. What'd you get? What'd you see at Arizona? This kid is a silky smooth athlete. Uh, I think he is uh, runs faster than it looked on tape because he is so smooth. I think he can drop his weight and get into and out of his cuts. I think he has excellent body control and hand-eye coordination. Uh, he made the great uh, one-hand catch versus Nevada this year uh, when he adjusted. He does a great job. He just has a knack for when a quarterback's on the move, and you've seen it at Arizona too. He can really adjust and get open for the quarterback and makes a lot of plays uh, that are off schedule. Um, made a great adjusted catch down the field between two defenders uh, versus Washington State last year. I thought that was one of his best games that I watched when he was at Arizona. Uh, I watched him try to watch him against your guy Forbes because they played Mississippi State last year. They really How'd they go? They really didn't go in one-on-one -on -one situation. It was Forbes number one? I can't remember what his number was. Uh, I'll double check. Yeah, but if he was, uh, Forbes got him. Uh, had a PBU in the end zone, uh, a little fade route. My biggest issue with him is the lack of strength. It shows up in the run game when he's trying to block on screens. It shows up. Now he's got great hands, and he's got great body control to adjust, but when it is a contested situation – DBs are usually going to win that battle when they're both going for the ball. So he needs to get better play strength. And also, when they press him, he struggles to get off the line of scrimmage versus a strong press. But if he can improve his play strength, I think he, like I said, silky smooth as an athlete, very good body control to adjust, very good hand-eye coordination, loved his instinct to get open, especially when a QB is on the move but he needs to get stronger. 
So that's kind of where I saw him in the combination of what I've seen at USC and what I've seen him do at Arizona. Arizona, Utah, he had a very bad game. There were three or four times where he was in a contested situation coming underneath and let the DB work through to the ball. That's where hmm. he had to improve. So a couple of things. Debo informs me Emmanuel Forbes was 13, number 13, okay. which is what he is now as well. Uh, number two, let me ask you about this getting off the line of scrimmage versus man, uh, press man, because that's typically sort of what you start with if you see it. But has that changed in the NFL where you see it less and less now and it's less of a concern or not? I think you're seeing it less because everybody's getting people in motion, so you can't jam them at the line of scrimmage. In college, when you watch it, they're in press, but these corners never get their hands on a receiver on a release. Right. When I'm watching a corner, I want to see if he can mirror the receiver's release off the press or off the line of scrimmage when he's in press. But rarely do any of these guys ever get their hands on the receiver to disrupt routes and disrupt timing. So, But a couple of times, a flash here or there where I did see it, he needs to get stronger if someone, because someone in the NFL is going to put their hands on him if they're in a right. press situation at the line of scrimmage. All right. Well, first of all, great poker face because I thought you were going to pan the poor poor kid. So you you like Dorian Singer a lot. Um, but what are you going to say? Yeah. No, I like him. I'm not saying I'm putting him in the Hall of Fame, but I thought he showed enough flashes. Um, but he needs to physically mature and get stronger. All right. What do you think about my first uh, my first impression? Uh, number four wide receiver. But what do you do if you don't have a special teams angle to work with? When you turn, when you look at a player like this, like he's not a returner. So, what what do you think? How do you think about him in terms of building the roster? I think he could be a three in this league. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if he's thinking of coming out or not. If I was him, I'd try to stay in one more yeah. year because uh, I think he needs to physically mature. I don't know how big he is. Um, I didn't look at. I pulled a Rick. I didn't even look at his height or weight. I just watched him. Yeah, but I think that's, that's if he looks thin on tape. Yeah, on tape. So he needs to add some strength, and just physically mature a little bit more. If you're twitchy and the biggest knock on you is you need to get stronger, that seems like a, the easiest of fixes. Yeah, if you're, you're not going to get twitchier, you control that. The player right. controls that. Exactly. All right. Good. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for that submission on on Dorian Singer. Right now, I would probably say early day three ish, but having not really gone deep onto that, just as a cursory eyeball check, do you feel differently about that? I would say he's borderline third, fourth, somewhere yeah. in there. So right. he's not as physically mature as the kids from uh, Washington, you know. Oh, <laughs> Odunze? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's right. I agree with that. <laughs> or the house State kids or I mean, he would be behind, way behind those guys in the pecking yeah. order right now. Right, that's right. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Maybe the best player on planet Earth out of Georgia. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. New CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Time to set it up! New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Rick, we've already talked about Brock Bowers on this show one time for his outstanding performance on a Saturday against... Uh, South Carolina, I believe, when we also talked about my guy, Spencer Rattler. Uh, Brock Bowers came back with Avengers against Auburn and just decided to take that game over. Georgia started pretty slow, and then Bowers just went off. He was doing whatever he wanted. He continues to be someone you can line up anywhere, either in the formation or the routes he runs. And I don't know what he – you mentioned maybe a 475 for Shadour. What do you think Brock Bowers runs? I think he's going to be in a 4-6 range. He's moving. Yeah. And – He's gotten stronger. We talked about that on the last time we talked about him. What does let's start here. What doesn't Brock Bowers do well? I don't know. It's hard to poke a lot of holes in his game, you know, because like I said, he's trying to prove this year that he's a more the a complete tight end, not just a pass catching tight end. Um, but I I really struggle to poke any holes in this kid's game. And when I watched him, and the question was on our homework. How high does he go in the draft? And I'm going to say he, if for sure, it's a top 10. If not, maybe that top five, depending on how the rest of the board shakes out. And he's been that dominant this year. And Georgia doesn't win that game without Bowers. Uh, no. Over that game and that touchdown he had at the end of the game. They even gave him a uh, fullback dive on third and two, although it wasn't pretty. He got the first down. <laughs> right. Uh, but – I'm trying to think of, you know, if there's any tight ends that came out that were drafted that high. He is, may not be as fast, but he is a more complete football player than Kyle Pitts. I was going to ask you, if you're drafting a tight end, and I, we could. Bowers over Pitts, just what right. I've seen. Okay, because we could talk about why the Falcons refuse to use Kyle Pitts, perhaps as we think he should be used, but whatever, that's another podcast. But Brock Bowers, to your point, feels like a more complete p- player. According to Debo's Googling powers, he says Bowers has been clocked at 4-5. He looks like he's playing 4-5 when you watch him. I mean, he's stacking defensive backs regularly wherever he lines up. It, it's like watching Kelsey from the Chiefs without yeah. the Swift, Swifties. The Swifties, so, yeah, of which you are one. But what Kelsey does for the Chiefs, he does for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's I mean, look at that. Debo just put a stat up if you're listening. Uh, most career re- uh, receiving touchdowns in Georgia history – Brock Bowers is currently tied for second with A.J. Green. I don't remember who A.J. Green's quarterback was, but A.J. Green was clearly a difference maker in college, and um, he was a first-round pick of the Bengals the year they took um, Andy Dalton in the second round, and he's clearly a a great NFL player as well. I mean, we say this a lot about quarterbacks, Rick, but fit does matter. Kyle Pitts is a testament to that, so you would – you want him to go somewhere where he'll be utilized. You don't want to go go to a run-heavy team where it's just run-blocking for Derrick Henry, for example, but you want him to be um, in a situation where he has an opportunity to to, to use his, his talents. And I think 
you mentioned top five potentially. That feels about right uh, in terms of talent. I'm trying to look real quick at the it current draft order. I appreciate the vote of confidence in my evaluation. Well, I was trying to stall while I looked up the draft order. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, Chicago, we know what's going to happen. And we'll talk about this Thursday, by the way. We're going to go over these uh, the, the folks at the top of the draft and, and all their needs. Um, the, the Patriots at seven, they like tight ends historically. They have a quarterback concern as well. But I suppose there's a situation where he gets outside of the top ten and we'll wonder why. But it feels like he is one of the ten best players in this draft. Yes. Yeah, I, I, he's, a, he's a very good football player, tremendous athlete, and a game changer. Let me ask you something. Um, Debo's going to put up this tweet here first. Let's see. Arthur Smith says he thinks Georgia tight end Brock Bowers be a perfect draft pick for Atlanta. He's a monster out there. I can really see him lead blocking for Bijan or running a couple of routes per game in our scheme. <laughs> now, that's a, that's a parody yeah. account. Don't get angry. But uh, watching Kyle Pitts play and you think, oh, that, that sounds like something Arthur Smith might say. But let me ask you, when you're having these conversations in the spring, I don't think you're talking about Brock Bowers now in terms of how he fits into your program, but if you're having these conversations in the spring, you're having specific conversations, I would imagine, in the room with the offensive coordinator, the tight ends coach, about how they plan to use them, or you're not that far, that far down the road? Yeah, no, you are, because you don't okay. want to waste this kid's talent. Yeah. But he's a difference maker, and it's to simplify it, just watch the tape. <laughs> he's a good football player or he's not it's just right. yes or no and if you're trying to make excuses and projections then that's a little bit more dicey but it's like Detroit and they just took good football players you know Laporta was a good football player he didn't have the production of Kincaid or Musgrave and Musgrave didn't I know didn't play a lot but look at what Laporta is doing for Detroit. They are scheming plays to get him open. Yes. And what's he? He's the set an all-time tight ends record in the first four games yeah. of most catches because he plays the game. He's a good football player that loves to play the game. That's I'm going to ask you a question that you, you don't have to answer because of your ties. Uh, would you have rather had, as the Detroit Lions, Devin Witherspoon or Jameer Gibbs? Ooh, that was a that would have been a that would have been a tough one. But right now, I'm guessing I don't know this for a fact. Yeah. But Devin Weatherspoon was pretty special in college. He was a good football player. And That's I right. At Holmes and Dan Campbell want to take good football players. Where they would have went, I have no clue. But I do know they do a great job identifying a good football player. And sometimes cornerbacks actually, they, sometimes they get up to slow starts when they're especially drafted high and put out there to play early. But both Christian Gonzalez, unfortunately, got hurt yesterday or Sunday. We'll see where he is in terms of when he can return. And Devin Witherspoon have been balling out. So that's been fun to watch. All right. All right. What are the chances Bowers becomes the highest drafted tight end of all time, which means he would have to be in the top three? Kyle Pitts currently has the record number four a couple of years ago. What would you put those odds uh, October 3rd? Zero percent. Yeah. They have two quarterbacks and a receiver go before him. So absolutely zero percent. So don't be throwing out little curveballs there from the back of the uh, Wizard of Oz curtain you sit behind, Debo. <laughs> he said don't throw curveballs, Debo. Don't hang don't hang the cheese. He, he's gonna hit it. he's gonna go yard on you. <laughs> uh the other thing, so if you're in a situation where you 
like your tackles, but maybe you don't love them, or maybe they, they're going to be up in two years or whatever, and you have Brock Bowers or Olaf Ashanu sitting out there, you're probably going Olaf Ashanu, the, the left tackle? I haven't done enough on Fashanu this year yet, uh, so I'm, I'm going to hold my judgment on that. Um, right. But guys that score points help you win ball games. That's true. I get yeah. it, but the the draft that Pitts went in, three quarterbacks went before him: Lawrence, Wilson, Lance. You know that was a, that was a quarterback heavy draft as well. Mm. 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 Makes you think. Okay, so you're basically you're coming down to Marvin Harrison Jr. or Bowers. I wonder what the odds of Marvin Harrison Jr. going after Brock Bowers. Where did you guys have? Do you remember where you had Kyle Pitts stacked on the old board there? No, I don't. That's all. You could have just made up a number. Yeah, he just couldn't block. He was basically a giant receiver playing yeah. tight. And now he's a no blocking tight end playing tight end. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's go to Duke. Where Duke almost pulled off the upset against Notre Dame. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, every time I see Sam Hartman, I'm thinking, man, Brady Quinn must be very angry that he's no longer the most handsome quarterback in Notre Dame history because Sam Hartman is a movie star. He looks like he should be on Magnum PI or something with that that hair and that beard. He probably drives a Ferrari and wears Hawaiian shirts. Uh, but I want to go to the other side, Riley Leonard. I wear Hawaiian shirts down here on the island. I don't have a Ferrari. I got an Ari, but it's not, not with Ari. Have you ever had a beard? You had the mustache in the picture behind you there. No, no, never had a beard. It's a little spotty. Oh, I see. You're too regimented to have a beard. My uh, feature is my square jaw. Right. Yeah, that's right. Why would I hide that feature? You don't want to hide your best feature. That's a good point. I didn't think that went through. That's on me. All right. So Riley Leonard looked a lot like the guy that we talked about earlier. He heard his, uh, I got rolled up on late in that game. It looks like it's not going to be a season ending injury. It did not look fun to watch at the time and he had to be helped off the field we know how um hartman waited for him after the game and that was a, a great show of sportsmanship but in terms of riley leonard the quarterback and he could still come back i've talked to some people that think he maybe he comes out but the athleticism is there we see that but he's not throwing with anticipation he's not really getting through his reads he's missing in terms of accuracy and this is all fun in games now in october of his perhaps final year in college, it becomes a real problem when you get into the NFL and ask, you're asked to play and you can't make these plays consistently because that's how people get fired. So I like Riley Leonard. Oh, you were, you were like, uh, I had, loved him this summer. Oh my God. Yeah. You were like Adam on is like the second quarterback off the board. Oh, he was better than Caleb. Let's be real. Yeah. Oh my God. But now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm coming. Well, you said over the summer, you want to shoot for the stars and then you got to come back to earth once the, the games are actually being played. Yeah, stars not like galaxies <laughs> okay well i didn't i didn't read the fine print <laughs> so again fun player but i am leaning towards him i would prefer him come back to school now he may think differently and he doesn't care what i think but what's your take on riley leonard halfway through or you know a month into the, the football season my best way to put it he is an athlete trying to play quarterback not an athletic quarterback right now if that makes oh. sense so what's the distinction? Like an athletic quarterback would be who in your mind? Caleb Williams. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> He's an athlete that's still learning how to play quarterback. And I don't want to say there were some Trubisky-like moments. At least that's who popped into my head. Uh, I don't think that's far off. No. And if I had to stack after watching that game, and I understand he was under duress, and the interior of 
Duke's offensive line was just manhandled by some of those Notre Dame dudes at the defensive tackle position. But he is um, athletic. He's big. He does have a good arm. His accuracy is off. When he started getting hit, he got rattled. His uh, accuracy fell off. They played a lot of man coverage. They don't have the athletes to separate in man coverage, at least versus Notre Dame. A couple of times they played in zone where he did have some open windows. And the more he got hit, the less accurate he was. So if you had to stack him as of today, he's behind the the Bo Nixes of the world, the Penixes of the world, the uh all those viewers. Yeah. Yeah. All the guys that we had talked about, he would be sixth or seventh right now. Uh, down that list for me. All right. Well, let me go down the list real quick. We know Caleb Williams, Drake May. Sure, Sanders is up there uh, above. Tell me when to stop. Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix Jr., J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Spencer Rattler, mm-hmm. Cam Ward out of Washington State. I would put Ward ahead of Rattler. Rattler's kind of starting to tail back to show his true spots. Oh, I didn't watch last weekend. Did he have a rough weekend? Yeah, he had a little rough weekend. Okay. But you're still not taking Riley over any of these players, correct? Nah, him and Rattler. Uh, Jeez, he must have, Rattler must have thrown eight interceptions. I got to go back and watch what happened. I, I would have him overall big picture right now below all those guys. Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami. Uh, I only seen the one game on him, so it's hard for me to say. All right. Well, I'll tell you this, and this will make you happy. My uh, monthly every six week mock draft came out on Monday, yesterday. I had Spencer Rattler going in the first round. Oh, you did? Yeah, so yeah. we'll talk about that at some point in the future, and you can sure. get, yourself, that one. get yourself appropriately lathered up to yell and scream about that. All right, so you're talking about Riley Leonard in February in the draft room with, with uh, your staff. Are you taking this guy in the third round? I, I, it's too early to say right now. I mean, you're, 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 you're dealing with, we have a whole season to go, but as of right now, he would be very borderline Friday pick for me. Okay. Um, I'm going to give him a pop for his Where toughness. I'll go. I mean, you say? let me ask you him versus Sam Howe. And where did Sam um, Howe get drafted? What round? Well, Sam went the fifth. I didn't understand why he went the fifth. I thought he would be a day two guy. I was surprised. Were you surprised that he went that low or you guys sort of felt that? I don't know. I wasn't doing the podcast then. <laughs> you were in the you were in the actual draft. You're in the real draft room. Um, I like Sam Howell, and I thought Sam Howell had more experience as well in college because he came back and um, had a tough year that last year. But I thought he did some things that you were able to hopefully project into the next level, and we're seeing some of that. I like Sam Howell better. I would take Sam Howell over Riley Leonard coming out. I think Riley Leonard probably ends up going. What's that? Would you have said that this summer? No. No, of course not. I was all over. I like Riley Leonard, but he's just not. Oh God, yeah, it was a love fest. It was disgusting. But I think you said it right. He's a athlete playing quarterback. Is that what you said? Not an athletic quarterback. That's it, right? No. It's an athlete trying to play quarterback. All right, I forgot one word. All right. So we'll put a pin in that one and come back to you when you feel comfortable giving a draft range for Riley Leonard. I'm going to give him a pop because of his toughness and keeping that game close. What do you want to do? Drop. Rick's going drop. Rick does not like Riley Leonard. I'm making that note as well. Okay. We'll talk quickly about the other side of the ball. They're not Sam Hartman, but we'll talk about Joe Alt. I went back and watched all of those snaps and uh, I kind of, I think they had 70 snaps on offense. I kind of one play that it looked like Joe Alt didn't 
have success on or however PFF might define it. I uh, I don't know if that's a function. Now Duke has some dudes that were on some pre uh, on some preseason watch list. Uh, I didn't watch them super closely, but it, it looked like Joe Alt had very little to worry about in terms of the, the way he played that game. Yeah, no, he's a, uh, I don't want to, there's no one for sure, but he is about is for sure of a left tackle pick that you're going to be able to make. Well, wait, let me back you up, back up on that. Because if you're looking, uh, watching on YouTube here, I had him going ninth overall to the jets. Number one, if, or seventh overall to the Jets, excuse me. Uh, number one, it felt like you had some concerns coming into the season about the athleticism on the left side. And number two, are you comfortable saying he's a top 10 pick now? Oh, no doubt. Okay. Yeah, he's played this year and his body control and the smarts and savvy he plays with. He's more aggressive trying to finish in a run game. I went back and watched the Ohio State game. Um, How do you look there? He played really good against Ohio State. You're getting choked up. You liked it so much. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and technique, savvy, everything. Uh, he just so smart. The game looks easy when it comes to him. He just he, I, let me ask you this. How do you, the Duke game, he had no trouble anchoring, re-anchoring. Was that also the case against Ohio State? Ohio State, he had a nice battle with uh, JT. And oh, yeah. the guy that we need to talk about in future podcasts, is, I think it's Tyleek Williams. Okay who is maybe one of the best run stoppers I've seen to date uh, at Ohio state, not a great pass rusher, but they had a pretty good battle, but in the trenches, but Joe all just on the pools on uh, his second level, locking on the linebackers he is as steady and the game comes as easy. He's never stressed um, that he is like a, what you would categorize as a draft him and plug him in as a day one starter at left tackle. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't have short arms because that will change the conversation because that's what people love to talk about. He doesn't look like he has short arms. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to turn our eyes to the NFL and start with the five rookie quarterbacks that had to play on Sunday. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Rick. Talking to these rookie quarterbacks, we're going to start at the top. C.J. Stroud, Coleridge, Bernard, Stroud the fourth, as he will now be known henceforth. He keeps getting better. I'm not going to go through every single thing he did because that'd be another two-hour podcast. 
Uh, it looked like he was playing seven on seven. The Steelers' defense wasn't even out there, so seven on zero. Throws with anticipation, throws accurately, makes great decisions. Uh, Bobby Slowick, the first-year offensive coordinator, under first-year head coach D'Amico Ryans, always seems to have answers for his quarterback, and CJ seems to have the answers of those tests as the play unfolds. I find very little to be worried about, and I should be very excited if I'm a Texans fan. A plus plus, A plus plus. Golly, so much fun! And that's one of those things where if you draft them, you're not sure because you don't know, and then now you're like high fiving yourself, and you're you're buying that lake house. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you're, <laughs> you're not going to get fired within five years. <laughs> that's right. He's All right, going he's going. So. um, I'm going to go to number two on how I had these guys ranked on the list. So we're going to have to skip down one name. So hopefully you can, you can hang with me on that. I'm going to go. So Stroud was my QB one over the week for the rookie quarterbacks. My QB two rookie quarterback performance was Anthony Richardson. And I'm curious what you think about that. I thought he does a lot of the things that we've seen him do. Well, the arm strength, the physicality, sometimes too much. We saw some of the misses on the throws downfield, but he can throw, uh, an out versus cover two and not even have to layer it because he throws it 98 miles an hour and the underneath defender doesn't have a chance. And that's what very few people can do that. But I also, the accuracy has been a concern at times, but I thought coming back after a week off with the concussion, uh, there were signs of optimism and he almost brought that team back uh, after they were down early against the Rams. Yeah, I gave him an A. Um, oh, good. The throws that he made in the fourth quarter down the seam uh, were incredible touch timing throws uh, with velocity with touch um, and accuracy was there, especially between the hashes. Uh, the other thing that I was very impressed with is I actually seen him slide and started to protect himself instead of thinking he was running around uh, at the collegiate level. So right. he has learned to take care of when the play is done, go ahead and just, take a slide and he did a much better job of that. So I gave him an A for the fourth quarter that he played in. I understand some of the inaccurate throws, but an A for learning to protect himself better. And he did that in this game. Yeah. You have to be, you have to feel good. I think if you're a Colts fan, number one with Anthony Richardson, number two, Shane Steichen, the head coach, again, putting him in position to have success. All right. Number three on my list. I, I went with Bryce 25 or 32 for two Oh four, two touchdowns, 10 rushing. Uh, uh, rushing yards, excuse me. And on Sunday, the talking point was Bryce sucks. Bryce is terrible. And I went back and watched the, the game. Bryce actually played okay. Pretty good. It's the yeah. best game so far today. It was just, and let, let me, I'll just start here. In the NFL, one mistake can ruin you. And that one mistake was the fumble that ended up being uh, the, D, the DJ Wanham uh, fumble return for touchdown that changed the tenor of that game. The Panthers were tenuously holding on to the lead at that point. That changed things. But everything other than that, and there was a, early in the game, DJ Wanda, by the way, played out of his mind. He almost had an interception on a quick screen. He sort of oh, he dropped it. Dr yeah, he dropped it, drifted into the flat and made a play. But other than that, I thought Bryce made good decisions. They got the ball out quickly. Ian Thomas had a chance at a touchdown on that first drive, hit him in the hands. It was tough. It would have been a contested catch. But it felt like Bryce was making the right decision. But the one thing can end up biting you in the butt, and that one thing was that fumble that cost him six points. Yeah, but that's if you look at the whole game, he is getting the ball out quicker. He seems to be more comfortable. Still don't have they still have protection issues. I think Harrison Smith had an un, ungodly type game with all the uh, three sacks that he had. The one thing that Bryce has to learn is what you're referring to 
this ball security. He had the fumble that that uh, DJ Wanham picked up that you mentioned that was returned. And if you go back to the New Orleans game right before the half, they were in field goal range. He got sacked and fumbled. That cost them three points, and that was the difference in that game as well. So biggest thing that he has to learn, especially for a smaller quarterback, is that ball security is critical. And that's something that I think that he will, they will put a point of emphasis on because the ball security cost them two games. And I'd be interested to see what Frank Reich and or Bryce have to say about it because that play in which he fumbled – Minnesota had seven defenders at the line of scrimmage, and they ended up rushing five or six. I think that Hayden Hurst was supposed to be hot there, and he was on the left side of the formation. Bryce ran right. So I, I'm curious to see what actually happened there and why it happened, and if Bryce messed up, if something else happened, so on and so forth. But, again, just that one play. If he doesn't fumble there, I think they get their first win, and I think people are having a different conversation about Bryce today. All right, number four on my list. Look, man, I think Aiden O'Connell is number four simply because he survived that game. <laughs> Max sacked him what felt like 400 times to him probably ended up being six. Um, the Chargers found a way to charge it up at the end. Aiden O'Connell uh, threw an interception uh, to basically in that game. But I thought given the circumstances, which were very trying in terms of the pass protection, he did okay. He didn't look like he did in the preseason, but it was a large ask, and he he survived. I don't know if I could say much more than that. Yeah, no, I gave him a U for a grade for ugly. <laughs> I think you say undecided. No, ugly. <laughs> and a UU for DTR, which we'll talk about next. But he's a pocket passer. Uh, he holds the ball too long. Yeah, which he, he didn't ball. do in preseason, by the way. He has. Well, it's different when you're playing against the varsity and they're actually game planning. Right. Preseason, you got to remember, these guys can look great, but they're playing base defense and they're playing against Yahoo. I shouldn't say Yahoo's. I respect everybody that as a, I was a Yahoo. You were a Yahoo. You could say Yahoo. So I could put myself into that category as a training camp Yahoo. But it's different when the varsity plays. The, the speed of the game goes up thousands of miles from what it is in the preseason. Things are happening everywhere. He did get some nice throws in there, but you can't throw that interception. And why you're taking a non-athletic quarterback and rolling him to the right <laughs> was beyond me. And he stared down the receiver and you know, that was an easy pick that cost him the game, probably that pick. Yeah. Um, but that was a good learning experience for him. But ball security issues for him was a major concern when he's standing in the pocket. And you got to get the ball out. Yeah. You have You're not standing at Purdue waiting for Charlie Jones to come open. You have to get the ball out. And I think other thing is, if he's going to have success in the NFL, he's got to be a rhythm, timing, get the ball out, anticipatory thrower. And a couple of his throws, especially the Devontae Adams, were behind him. Yeah. You can't throw behind a receiver. You got to throw the receiver open. That's how he's going to have success. And I was disappointed in his accuracy as well on some throws that should have been completed. Yeah, that's a good point because, as you mentioned, preseason is a whole different animal, and he was throwing with a ton of anticipation and throwing guys open uh, on the break. And a couple of times in this game over the weekend, it, you know, Devontae Adams would be running a, a dig route, and he would hit him in the second window behind him instead of the first window off the break. And those right. are the things that where you feel like the, the game's probably moving too fast for you. And fair enough. Like, he didn't think he was going to be playing at this point in the game but the, uh, this season, but they didn't have a choice. All right. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, our Hall of Fame player from the preseason, he – I don't know why they're calling 
36 pass plays. I know they were down, but at some point you got to realize this, this is too much for him in this moment. And very rarely did he have his feet set. It felt like, uh, he made a ton of bad decisions. He threw late consistently, like not just a tick late. We're talking 10, 15 ticks late. It felt like watching in real time. And this is just one that you have to forget about and move on and hope that Deshaun Watson's healthy, because I don't think you can roll forward with this, at least in the, put him in the situations that he was put in on Sunday. Especially without Chubb in the backfield. Yeah. You're going to have to run the ball. You can't put it into his hands. And, you know, as, as much as uh, people and you included put him in the Hall of Fame. and I Pete did. Was, uh, you know, my uh, all underrated team. That uh, all underrated stuff came back rated pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick's at the joke. In, in reality, he just looked confused. He had... Looked like he was born on Wednesday and looking both ways for the weekend. In the nice. the yeah, which way to go? And again, like Aiden, it's not necessarily his fault. You would like to have seen something uh, a little more competitive. That defense, by the way, Jim Schwartz, the defense coordinator, is should be the defensive player of the year right now, the leading candidate. He's done a great job for them. They got a lot of dudes as well, no doubt about it. Yeah, Cleveland didn't look as good on defense either this week. But, I mean, right. I mean th- – they were struggling all together. The only way they win this game is running the ball and playing lights out defense like they have through the year, and they didn't. They weren't able to do either, and they put it into a rookie quarterback's hands who had inaccuracy issues in college. Yeah. Yet they want to throw the ball thirty-five times because of what they've seen in a Hall of Fame game. And <laughs> they were read, they were reading my press clippings. Yeah, he had three interceptions, two in the fourth quarter, and they lost convincingly. All right, let's talk about the top five rookies overall. This will, of course, include at least one quarterback on this list. The start at the bottom, and this isn't really the bottom, just reverse order. These guys are all superstars in my mind. Bijan went over to London. What's the what's your London line? Uh, look, he's got a little bit of sticky wicket over there. I think Des Ritter's in a sticky wicket, but he didn't. We're not talking about him right now. That's conversation for another podcast. Bijan, fourteen of one uh, for one hundred five on the ground, five more receiving yards. For uh, five more receptions, excuse me, for 32 receiving yards. I mean, there's nothing else to add. It's the same sort of scouting report every week. He's incredibly Im- important to what they do. He's hard to tackle. Yeah, he looks like a one-legged man in the butt-kicking contest. He's the only thing that they have. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the move he made in the flat to break that uh, defender's ankles and then yeah. one-hand catch on a screen route. Um, he just – he's – but everything's going through him now on that offense. And uh, he seems like the only thing that's really, at least in this game, really worked well uh, for Atlanta is uh, the ball when they get the ball in his hands, whether it's in pass or run. As I mentioned, at 14 carries, he had runs of 8, 9, 21, and 38 yards on the ground. And what I'm doing, if I'm a defensive coordinator, my number one objective you know you're a good player, is to try to control Bijan from beating you. And if you can control him and take him out of the game, then you're going to beat the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, because one of the issues with Des Ritter coming out was accuracy, and that's sort of shown itself, and the poor decision-making, and throwing late showed itself in London for sure. So hopefully you can get that sorted out. But it, it's, it was a, a theme in college, and it, it's been cropping up recently uh, to the start of this season. Number three on the list oh, – excuse me, number four on the list – Debo made me change, drop my guy at the end. I'm going to give him a, an honorable mention, though. Number four on the list, uh, Devon H. A. Chan. Sorry, that's how you want to pronounce it. Yep. yep, we have to get that pronunciation right. Yep. Eight so. rushes, 101 rushing yards, two touchdowns. 
three receptions on 19 carries. Again, just like college, he'll, he'll run between the tackles, and then Micah Daniel will get him on the perimeter, and he'll use his speed to to run past people. Um, made a note here, he had rushes of 10 yards, 15 yards, 55 yards, and an eight-yarder in there as well. Yeah, that's where he got over his 100 yards. Um, but he's he uh, he's doing everything that we saw in college. The one thing that he's doing better that you didn't see, I didn't have a great feel for in college, was his hands out of the backfield. And I think they're good. Yeah, and he's in a perfect position in terms of getting utilized properly because that's sometimes what you worry about uh, when you talk about fit. All right, great game for Devin, uh, Devon Achan. Even though for the first time all season, uh, the Bills were able to pressure Tua, and Tua was not the tool we've seen recently, but we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks. Number three on the list. I mean, this guy, he is in the Hall of Fame already, Rick. Puka Nakua. I am. I may be buying Puka beats. I don't know. Finally. Now, look, he continues to primarily work the middle of the field against his own. He did have one out route, I think, in this game. He had that seven route a couple weeks ago that we talked about and made the great catch on. But they they use him in the middle of the field. He makes contested catches. You you made the the frowny face when I said he can run through arm tackles, has a little yak ability. That showed up a little bit this week as well. Game winning touchdown, he did. Yeah, first touchdown of the season somehow. He's got 5,000 catches. He finally got a touchdown. Yeah, no. And the one thing that I respected him more than anything, I can understand the route savvy and working in the middle of the field, and he's got excellent hands, and he has courage in traffic and (laughs) doing all the uh, things that Puka does. But the where I really earned my respect is what he did blocking this week. And they put him at the late in the wing or right in a bunch formation. And he does not mind getting dirty work done. So uh, I did. I earned uh, another notch of respect for him because of him willing to do the dirty work. And Debo, just put up the graphic if you're listening. Uh, 39 catches through four games and over 500 receiving yards. I mean, this guy's better than Justin Jefferson. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm not. Everybody wants to put him in the Hall of Fame. Let's 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 see. We're in chapter one of the book. Let's see. Okay, I I knew he would hate on him at some point. (laughs) So here's Debo's question to you, Rick. He was a fifth round pick. What did teams miss on him? I think the durability concerns. I think the speed, but the and like I said. He's 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 not beating man coverage. He's, he knows how the savviness and zone. And I got to give credit. Stafford now is a pretty good quarterback. Golly, he looks he great. This, would he have the same production if it wasn't Stafford at quarterback? I don't know if he would or not. Yeah. But Stafford and him somehow kind of have this chemistry going, uh, which makes him who he is too. But you got to give credit to Stafford for getting him the ball as many times as he getting, and Stafford trusting him to come up with a plays and he's done it. I mean, and oh, by the way, Cooper cup's coming back. Yeah, that's yeah. So no, that's real, but that's another story. Uh, your dog disagrees. All right. Number two on the list. And it's hard to say this guy's number two, get based on the way he played on Monday night, Devin Witherspoon, 97 yard pick six. I what in the world are you doing? Daniel Jones on that throw had two sacks. Like he was Harrison Smith out there Four pressure, seven tackles. He will come up and hit you in the mouth. We saw that a few times uh, and run support and getting after the quarterback. Uh, has a nose for the football. It's pretty fast. <laughs> we saw that on the 97-yard return. He hit 20 miles an hour, according to next-gen stats. Reek Woolen was running interference. Reek ran 22.25 miles an hour on that run back. So they got some, some dudes that can run as well. 
Um, you want to make a case for why Devin Witherspoon should be number one? Or are you okay with him here at number two? No, I, I'm here with number two because this was his breakout game. He got better. He missed week one. We talked about him last week, uh, and he was getting better each week. Uh, and then this breakout game, hopefully he can play at this level. But if he can play like he played on Monday night, uh, then you're going to be talking about him as potentially defensive player of the year and putting him up there with the sauce gardeners of the world the way he's playing right now. The Giants, meanwhile, my word. I don't know how you – if you're the general manager sitting in the box at, uh, and you go down to the locker room after the game, are you talking to anybody? Like, what, what's your what's – the, what's the conversation you're having after that game? I was like, man, I wonder if CBS will hire me and let me do it. Wilson and Debo. Oh, my gosh. They've scored three points – they haven't they have, scored a touchdown in the first half, have they? No, they haven't. Daniel Jones is one in twelve in primetime games. They've been outscored sixty something to three or six at home. I mean, it's it's just one disaster after the next. All right, let's talk about something positive. Number one on the list, it has to be Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth. Yes, he gets better each and every week. Hasn't yeah. thrown an interception yet. Sixteen of thirty, he was much better than sixteen of thirty. Three hundred six yards, two touchdowns. Ran for 16 more yards and four carries. He, there's nothing else. We talked about him earlier. I mean, most pass attempts without uh, an interception to start his NFL career. CJ's number one. Um, 49 passes ahead of Warren Moon. And then Debo had to get Carson Wentz's name on there. <laughs> and Case Keenum well, and Tom Brady. Super Bowl champions on this list, and he's one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tom Brady's the other Super Bowl champion. Oh, he went down, didn't play in the playoffs. That doesn't matter to Debo. He just he's gonna stand up for Carson Wentz till the, the bitter end. All right. So let me ask you this about CJ because we love the way he's played. Debo this. Okay, go ahead. Debo, uh, now that we're dealing in hypotheticals and throwing curveballs. Oh boy. If Jalen Hurts was in if Philly was in a situation like the New York Jets and Hurts couldn't play the rest of the year. Oh, he, no way. For Carson Wentz coming back to Philly. That's where he draws the line. I, I don't think I could do it. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Debo, you got you. You got got Debo. Rick put you no, on the spot. No, my stance, just to clarify, like the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl in 2017 without his regular season performance. Like they're not in that position to play the Falcons and to play you guys at home in the NFC Championship, Rick, uh, without him. I, I understand what happened after that, but I will always appreciate my guy Carson. <laughs> Rick ain't buying it. Yada, 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 yada. And I don't like how you keep bringing up these Jalen Hurts injury hypotheticals. I know. What is up with that? <laughs> Your favorite player sick. in the world you don't like. Oh, and quickly, before we go. And Debo mercilessly cut this poor young man from the conversation. Michael Wilson, my guy to stand for seven catches, 76 yards, had two touchdowns on that upstart Arizona Cardinals team. He gets honorable mention, Rick. Um, he will have his Puka Nakua moment over the second half of the season is my prediction. So look, look out for that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. That's it. That's can, wrap we, can our crackpot Debo maybe find out where the J comes in CJ? That's kind of going to bother me for the rest of the week till Thursday. You know CJ's agent. Can you imagine texting CJ's agent that? Hey, by the way, what does the J stand for? <laughs> CJ. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll get on that. We'll get that answer for you Thursday, Rick. That's a wrap on episode 85, however. Any parting words from you? No. It's uh it was quite uh fulfilling today and um uh there has <laughs> there hasn't yet been an explanation for where Stroud gets a j in his cj name according to 
uh, Google, as its initials will be CB. That said, this could be a situation similar to that of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson Jr. The Eagles defensive back, uh, who's now in uh, Detroit, goes by C.J. Gardner-Johnson because he is Chauncey Jr. There you go. There's a, uh, what's his first name? His first name is Coleridge Bernard Stroud IV. Okay, so there's more than one. There's a couple juniors then, right? Is it yeah. fourth mean? Fourth means, yeah, junior, junior. Fourth one, so can yeah, you still you junior? Well, we'll get to the bottom of it. Worry yes. not, Rick. All right, that's it. 85 in the books. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks, Steve, for producing. And thanks to all you guys who watch and listen. Keep sending those names. Five-star reviews. We'll talk about it on the show. We'll be back Thursday to talk about all these super terrible teams at the top of the draft and what they should do, starting with the Chicago Bears, who have the first pick and second pick. See you guys later. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.